Hey there, so made so much to talk about on this Thursday. We first want to welcome you to Fox News Black Report. We're following the latest in medicine with a warning from those who have suffered from long COVID and also high blood pressure. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelide Corte, plus how Florida is helping in the fight for transgender rights. They're the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top story for today. It takes us to Florida as a jury has acquitted former NFL player Travis Rudolph. He's 27 of all murder charges. Rudolph, who briefly played in the NFL, faced one count of first degree murder and three counts of attempted murder for a deadly shooting outside his Park Lake Park residence. Now the shooting occurred during a violent confrontation when four men approached Rudolph's home regarding a dispute. Rudolph claimed self-defense after witnessing two guns pointed at him. The judge ordered the removal of Rudolph's house arrest monitor following this verdict. Now Courtney, you know part of the reason why this verdict is so significant is that Rudolph had been put on house arrest after the judge refused to dismiss the case based on the stand your ground defense claims, mm -hmm. leaving it up to a jury to decide. And, you know, this just kind of confirms what a lot of soulmates believe or might believe, which is that when it comes to black folks, that stand your ground law does not apply equally. Mm. Uh, he claimed that as so many, we've seen so many folks in Florida claim stand your ground, including George Zimmerman uh, in the, uh, the murder of, of uh, Trayvon Martin. Uh, and it does not apply the same with us. And so, we are you know, not this, 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 this victory, this yeah. victory, you know, means that uh, we too yeah. can claim stand your ground. We're, we're definitely not given that grace. And there, there was this, you know, you know, this played out, of course, in the courts and in the headlines, but it also played out on black Twitter. The confrontation stemmed from his ex-girlfriend uh, being upset with him, calling on brothers and friends to come and handle uh, this guy and they chose to do it uh, violently. And so that was the, the, the premise of his claim of self-defense. They came onto his property. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the brothers said, you know, you messed with the wrong girl, the wrong sister. And, and there, uh, there, there seemed to have been intent to do some bodily harm, if not take him out. And so within that commotion, uh, um, uh, you know, guns appeared. And of course, he claimed uh, self-defense and, and right. We didn't he didn't get that grace. And so he was uh, immediately put on a house arrest. And, you know, this particular case has played out in his favor. Um, very interesting uh, opinions across black uh, Twitter. A lot of people felt the girlfriend should have been held accountable for what has happened because there was a life lost. Uh, just a very interesting uh, all around uh, court case and especially interesting seeing as though what we're dealing with also in Florida. That's right. Never a shortage of issues in Florida. That's right. Moving along, Reverend Al Sharpton will deliver the eulogy for Ajike. A.J. Owens, a mother of four shot and killed by neighbor Susan Lorenz in Akala. Owens confronted Lorenz over an alleged incident with her child. Lorenz fired a fatal shot through her front door. Now, previous altercations between the two had been reported. Lorenz faces charges of manslaughter, culpable ne negligence, battery and assault. Reverend Sharpton's eulogy will take place at 11 a.m. with the funeral location undisclosed. Yeah, um, at this one, you know, it, it, it weighs really heavy because, you know, not only do you have uh, uh, children without their mother, but one of her children saw that, what I want to call, assassination. Um, there's still a lot of question around the charges. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, they just don't weigh heavy enough. They don't they're not reflective of the idea 
that a murder has taken place mm -hmm. uh, versus manslaughter and, and how that all breaks down, uh, legally speaking. We were talking yesterday, maybe that's the charge that the prosecutors felt like they could get some sort of kind of conviction because as much as we get accused of playing the race card, it's the race card. We just, we just talked about this other case in Florida where this young man claimed stand your ground and he was immediately uh, detained and, and put on a house arrest. So here in lies another um, question about the grace. But aside from the legality and the criminal act, um, it's just the loss that is over overbearing. I saw her mother speak at a press conference and um, I, I try to stay, stay tapped in because you want to feel that emotion. You want to help and support and be on top of these headlines as best as you can. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to pull up because it's just too heavy. Yeah. It's just too heavy. You're right. And this was not the first incident. You know, records show that 911 had been called a half dozen yeah. times just since 2021. This is involving Lorenz and Owens. And in two cases, in February 2022 and April 2023, uh, Lorenz called 911 because she was upset that Owen's dog was on her property. And so there have been sort of a number of exchanges between these women that have clearly escalated over a very short period of time in mm -hmm. terms of years. And so, you know, this is, this is the sort of hostility that so many black folks uh, find themselves in and having to navigate through on a daily basis, not just in places like Florida, but across the country. Yeah. Uh, and so this is just another indication of just how tensions can flare and things can go from zero to 60 in five seconds and somebody end up dead. Yeah, and, and most times, unfortunately, it, it does not, we do not fare well in these type of situ situations. We do not get the grace. We do not get the understanding. We do not get, you know, the pause to try to figure things out. Uh, and so, yeah, just yet another disturbing case, another eulogy. I mean, the Reverend will bring it home, you know, and honor her life and, and bring forth the message, but uh, yet another one, you know? Yeah. 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 All right, let's move on here. Someone left a dead raccoon and a sign containing uh, uh, intimidating language mentioning Red, Redmond County or Redmond City Councilor Clifford Evelyn outside of the office of Mayor of uh, Ed Fitch. That's in Oregon. The sign's language described as racially hateful by Mayor Fitch raises concerns for uh, Councilor uh, Evelyn, a black representative facing discrimination. Police are actively investigating the incident as a potential hate crime. The act uh, adds to a series of racially charged incidents in the area. Uh, Councillor um, Evelyn remains confident in the ongoing investigation. And again, you know, this is a part of a series of events that we're seeing locally. You know, in recent years, uh, Black Redman, a teenager, found threatening messages uh, on her doorstep. Mm -hmm. uh, a failed candidate uh, for one of the local commissions there uh, displayed a Confederate flag during the 4th of July parade. You know, and we don't need to educate our soulmates in terms of just how racist and how demeaning uh, raccoons are intended to be, you know, for black people, right? And so there, there's a pattern here, right? We went from Florida, you know, all the way to Oregon, where there is a pattern, you know, by which folks are seeking to intimidate us, to, dare I say, terrorize us in our own neighborhoods. Yeah, very brazen, uh, very uh, emboldened. And, um, you know, as a, as a culture, as a people, we just have to continue to counteract we just have to be strategic in how we do that because again i don't think we're extended the grace when things unfortunately go awry and um you know they, they result in those um uh unwanted um 
results, if you will. Um, and, and that can even be tricky. How do you go about addressing it without being accused of, you know, hating back, without, um, you know, subjecting yourself to what people of color uh, have to or, or are continue to be subjected to when it comes to, you know, trying to push through for justice. It's, it's really a, a slippery slope and um, it's really unfortunate to continue to hear. I mean, this sounds like 1960. Yeah. It reminds me of like or the civil rights movement or the or Jim Crow, really. And it just the more things change, the more they stay the same mm -hmm. kind of a kind of a synopsis happening here. But, you know, it's also a reminder, you know, that stuff like that stuff that we expect to come out of the Jim Crow South can come out of Oregon. Pretty far away from the South, but, you know, not in terms of actions uh, like this. And it sounds like there aren't a lot of black folks in this community to, mm -hmm. to begin with and that folks are sort of reacting to, you know, you know, black people on city council running for city council. And so I would just say it's, it's another reminder of how important it is for us to be in community mm -hmm. with one another because, you know, we can't, you, you can't suffer through this kind of stuff alone. I agree. Moving along, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Braggs has disavowed over 300 convictions linked to police officers found guilty of crimes resulting in over 1,000 dismissals citywide. The convictions, mostly misdemeanors dating back to 1996, involve nine officers convicted of on-the-job offenses such as bribery and evidence planting. These actions led to the imprisonment of more than 50 individuals and fines for 130 others. The move follows the trend set by other New York City district attorneys seeking to address cases involving charged or convicted officers. Well, you, you got to let them go. You can't hold them to these uh, convictions. No let matter, my people go. You know, no matter how severe or, or minimal they are, you can't hold them to these convictions by way of <laughs> crooked, dirty cops. It just, you know, the law just doesn't work that way. Even if some of those convicted, you know, you know, really, you know, did what they were convicted of doing, uh, it, it just, it, it, it cancels out everything and you just really can't hold them to that. So that's a shame in the sense that, you know, in this society, when we do wrong, there is a price to pay or some consequences that you have to, you have to deal with. But, um, you know, for, for that to be predicated on some dirty cops, uh, and just imagine the folks who were innocent, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how that took away uh, from their life and, 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 and the drama and the stress that they had to deal with, uh, you know, maybe evidence being planted on them or mm -hmm. something of that nature, that nature. It just sounds like one of those uh, uh, evening uh, cop shows, you know, it, it, something out of uh, Hollywood, if you will. Yeah. Well, and this is also another important reminder of the difference that black prosecutors make. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, when black folks go and work on the inside, not just on the outside as defense attorneys, but on the inside as prosecutors, right. we can make a really big difference in the lives of folks. I mean, these are folks that, you know, had stuff on their record that was not expunged. These are folks that had stuff on their record that was holding them back. And this is a difference, a material difference he's made in the lives of those people. I would agree. All right, let's go to Chicago now, where they continue to grapple with a migrant crisis, reigniting divisions over race, ethnicity, and uh, aid distribution. Immigrant families are forced to sleep in police stations due to limited resources for the unhoused. 
The city council approved $51 million in migrant aid, but critics argue that existing homelessness issues should take priority. Tensions ran high during public uh, comment periods and debates with Alderman Jeanette Taylor, emphasizing unity and expressing concerns about uh, neglecting the needs of black Chicagoans. The situation highlights the need for comprehensive immigration policy and collaborative solutions to address both uh, migration and homelessness challenges. And it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. And I think there are folks that are saying in Chicago that we've got to be able to do both, but we've got to balance it out. Yes, there are unhoused people that are sleeping on the streets uh, in Chicago. There are uh, a host of other sort of, you know, uh, public safety related issues in Chicago. Uh, but you also have, you know, these migrants you know, that have been shipped to Chicago as a part of a political stunt uh, by the Texas governor uh, specifically. Uh, and that also needs to be handled with dignity and with integrity. Mm -hmm. You know, these are people that fled their country, fleeing religious persecution, political persecution and violence. You know, and so, you know, we're a country that has said that we believe in that's asylum. What, that's what we're know, all which about. Is, which is a human right. You know, we, you know, we're a country, you know, that has said, you know, that, you know, all are welcome here. All, you know, are welcome to unite around one flag. And that's what these folks are trying to do. But Chicago can't do it alone. That's right. And, you know, it's a, it's a shame that these uh, migrants are being, you know, used as um, like political pawns, you know, which you know, throws the, the idea of humanity, you know, out of the window. And then, then I hear the aldermen, you know, listen, we, 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 we can address this problem, sure enough, but what about the problems that have been existing, uh, you know, with, with just the people of Chicago and homelessness? So um, that's a tough cookie to crack, uh, nut to crack, rather, uh, cookie to crumble, however you want to, <laughs> however, however you want to look at it. You're because, making me um, hungry. I know, because I am hungry. But it's, it's just, um, I get caught up in, how you continue to address it because both of these issues have to be addressed and I just don't want anybody left behind. You know, I just think it's sad as far as from the migrant uh, perspective because I believe they are political pawns. And, uh, you know, from the homeless issues that are already happening in Chicago, what about them? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, we you know we need to we need to prioritize, right? You know, but we also need to lead with our values. And so, you know, we got a new mayor in Chicago. Yeah. He's know, got a lot on his plate. He's got a lot He's on his plate, but lot. it's going to be interesting to see how he balances this out. And is it any different from former Mayor Lori Lightfoot? I think it will be. We shall see. Mm. Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown Jackson revealed receiving a $1,200 floral display. Hello from Oprah Winfrey and. $6,500 worth of designer clothes for a magazine photo shoot. Yeah, the disclosure was a part of the annual financial reports released by the justices. However, <laughs> however, the report of Justice oh. Clarence Thomas, who has been scrutinized for undisclosed gifts from a Republican donor, was delayed. Hmm. The reports provide insights into the justices' finances, including Justice Sonia Sotomayor's royalties from children's books. Mm -hmm. The ethics of the Supreme Court has been a focus of attention, particularly concerning gifts received by Justice Thomas. And, and, and pull up off uh, Ms. Ms. Brown Jackson. She clearly said that this was a part of her coming into this seat. You know, people were celebrating her. There were a myriad of photo shoots. People wanted to, you know, congratulate her. So, you know, She's being very transparent, but the gifting makes sense. Time, on the other hand, 
Tommy. <laughs> and I don't mean to disrespect his position because, you know, there's a body of work that has propelled him to the highest, uh -huh. the highest court in the land. Uh -huh. But his stuff stinks. Not only does it or stink, lack thereof not, of his transparency, it, it, it stinks. Uh, it's, it's more than it, it stinks. It's, it's really funky. I'm being nice. It's really funky. You're being really <laughs> nice, right? So Thomas's receipts of gifts valued at several hundred thousands of dollars mm. from the Republican donor Harlan Crow. Uh, that's what's prompted these calls for ethics reforms on the nation's highest court. Um, that's more than uh, Kataji Brown Jackson's little $1,200 bouquet yeah. uh, from Miss Oprah, right? It's more than, you know, the photo shoot uh, the, or photo shoots that she was a part of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really important as a lot of these decisions are coming down from the Supreme Court. Uh, just today, you know, yeah. we, we, uh, we saw that the voting rights case decision came down in favor of the civil rights folks that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, were, were alleging racial bias and the, and the Republicans that were drawing the maps in, in Alabama. Mm -hmm. These are important decisions that are going to make a material difference in everyday people's lives, mm -hmm. on student loans, on affirmative action. And so we need to know that our justices are not being on bought and, and paid for yeah, on you know, by you know, highly high net worth individuals. That they legit. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Vice President Harris will visit the Bahamas, making her the highest ranking U.S. official to do so since its independence. She aims to discuss climate change, firearms, trafficking, um, crime and uh, the Haiti crisis with Caribbean leaders. Harris will host the U.S. Caribbean leaders meeting in Nassau, announcing a 20 million dollar investment in the Caribbean Climate Investment Program and 50 million dollars for disaster, uh, disaster, disaster risk reduction. She will appoint a coordinator for the Caribbean firearms prosecutions to combat trafficking. Harris will emphasize U.S. support for a multinational force in Haiti and announce $50 million in humanitarian aid. This is big, the quarter line. It's a big deal. I mean, we see the vice president coming, you know, going to the, the Caribbean mm -hmm. uh, with gifts in hand. That's a, that's a lot of dough, uh, and that dough is really a down payment, uh, considering the, the growing needs of folks uh, in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. of black folks across the diaspora. Um, when I was with her, traveling with her in Africa, she brought uh, lots of aid, uh, to Ghana and Tanzania and Zambia, and she's doing the same in the Caribbean. And so it's great to see her spreading the love mm -hmm. across the diaspora. But what really got my attention was this coordinator for Caribbean firearms prosecution. She's, she's basically announcing that there's this new position in the Department of Justice where it's going to be an experienced DOJ prosecutor who's going to work to disrupt firearms trafficking. Courtney, how often do we report on day in and day out the epidemic of gun violence in this country. Mm -hmm. And we know that a lot of those are illegal guns that are coming from all different places, including the Caribbean. Yeah. This is an important, important action. And, and she is outside and has been outside. Uh, I appreciate, you know, her kind of like checking off this list of places that, you know, were probably passed overdue for visits from from the highest officials, you know, in our government. But what I found a little interesting was, you know, when you circle it back to, you know, the states, stateside, uh, you know, West Indian uh, culture and 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 the abundance of uh, folks with West Indian heritage, such as myself, um, they make up a big part of the black vote mm -hmm. um, and, and are very, very uh, important. And so I think that may, you know, add to um, you know, people feeling included, 
you know, even if they weren't, you know, naturally from the states or just have ties to other countries, that we're looking out for the well-being of others that have a direct connection to us. It's important stuff. Yeah. Still ahead with everything Florida is doing to take rights away from certain groups, one judge is making a change. We got it for you uh, about the most recent move to help protect trans rights. It's all straight ahead right here on Fox Soul Black Report. Welcome back to Voxel's Black Report. A new ruling from a judge in Florida is protecting the health care of trans children. Now, this ruling affects three of the seven families who sued to block Florida's law banning gender-affirming care for minors. Doctors for those three transgender children told the judge the children all need to either begin or continue receiving puberty blockers immediately. Uh, federal Judge Robert Hinkle's ruling allows that to happen. Yeah, Hinkle also believes that the new law likely violates the Equal Protection Clause in the Constitution. An attorney representing the plaintiffs in this case believe even a narrow ruling like this can have broad implications. However, State Representative Ralph Mazzullo from Citrus County, who sponsored the version of this bill in the Florida House, says that the judge is just plain wrong. So your thoughts to where, you know, people will argue and push back and say they're, they're just too young, even if they identify with, with something different. Just let them grow up a little bit, let them experience some things, and then maybe later on in life support, a f like a full transition. But at this point, you know, some people would, be, would say they're just too young, they're just children. It's just too much, too soon. Well, that was, thoughts on that? Well, that was actually the exact argument that former Vice President Mike Pence made last night during the CNN town hall, mm. um, where this issue came up. And uh, Dana Bash from CNN sort of challenged him and said, well, wait a minute, you know, you're also in favor of parental rights, right? And so what about the parents that are deciding, you know, that they are okay, that they believe that this is the health care that they're their kids need to be their full authentic self. And so, you know, are you saying that those parents shouldn't have the right, uh, along with the doctor, to make a decision uh, in the best interest of their kid, which in this case meant, you know, giving them puberty blockers? Uh, the vice president, former vice president, didn't really answer that question. Uh, but that is one of the big questions of our time. If For folks that are about parental rights, when it comes to you know, banning books when it comes to, you know, content in the curriculum. Well, you know, those same, those same parents may have an opinion that, it, that is affirming their kid getting the trans health care that they need. Yeah, I know uh, Dwayne and Gabrielle caught yeah. a lot of flack uh, feeling as though, you know, their, their daughter was too young to, you know, to, for them to approve it in the way that they did. So they got a lot of pushback. So that's a real big back and forth kind of ping pong kind of um, uh, argument. But he, 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 here's what I want to circle back around to. Florida. <laughs> we might as <laughs> well just call this the Foxo Black Report, Florida edition. Because... So many stories. So many stories coming out of Florida. Yeah. And they're sad stories. They're tragic stories. They're unfortunate, whether it be political, whether it be social, uh, something in regards to just, you know, racism and discrimination, you know, the, the, the hate. Uh, it's just so unfortunate. It is. It's, it is. It really it, is. It is. But you know what? It's holding up a mirror and it's asking us as a nation, who do we want to be? Do we want to be more like Florida or do we want to be something else? Hmm. That is one of the major questions of our time. 
Moving along, high blood pressure risk may make getting COVID more deadly for U.S. black Americans. Research shows that uh, while high blood pressure is listed as a risk factor for about 15% of all COVID deaths, the CDC says it's closer to 21% for black Americans, the highest of any group in their data. Of course, experts are advising black Americans to stay on top of their health and seek a professional opinion when looking for options to lower your blood pressure. But, you know, this is something that, you know, we've always heard in our community, you know, blood pressure, diabetes uh, for the women, fibroids, um, the, the disparities with uh, cancers like breast cancer. Um, and it, it speaks to what we talked about uh, in, in another show to whereas I feel like there's a whole nother filter that needs to be used or utilized or, or gathered or, or constructed when it comes to diagnosing people of color. We're just different biologically, you know, we're, uh, physiologically, we're just, it, it seems as though we're just different or maybe it could be the fact that environmentally sometimes we're just not in the healthiest places or we don't have access to the healthiest choices. There's something there to whereas when it comes to our diagnosis, there are huge differences and we need to be looked at differently. Yeah. We need to be cared for differently, which is why there's this huge push for doctors that look like us yeah. so they can understand our challenges when we walk through their doctor doors. But you know what? It's also important for us to make the healthy choice the easy choice. And in a lot of communities across the country, the healthy choice is not the affordable choice, this is true. nor is it the easy choice. And we've got to remember some of the dark days of the COVID pandemic where we were learning what those risk factors were that might have made us, you know, sort of more susceptible uh, to some of the worst symptoms of COVID. Some of us so, didn't even know we had COVID. Remember late 2019? Yeah. I was feeling really bad and the doctor couldn't figure it out. And then here comes 2020 and we all know what happened at we, that point. We got to stay on top of that health yeah. and we can't normalize this stuff, even though there are so many folks in our communities, you know, that, you know, suffer from high blood pressure. Even mm -hmm. Tina Turner, mm -hmm. you know, said that she had suffered from high blood pressure for four she, decades. She had a stroke. Yeah. 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 All right. Not too many people are aware, surprisingly, but Detroit borders Ontario, Canada and wildfires in Canada are responsible for a massive air quality alert for Detroiters. Uh, hazy skies stretching from St. Louis in the west to Boston in the east and here in Detroit in the north to Charlotte in the south. All told, nearly 100 million Americans are being urged to stay inside. Uh, Detroit's air quality index measured 176, which is considered unhealthy. Good levels are a number of only 50 or lower, and this is affecting folks across all, from coast to coast, really. Yeah. You, can, you can see how hazy it's been here in Detroit. Canada is right up top, about four hours away, or you can go right across the bridge and there's Canada uh, right there. And in New York, those pictures out of New York, they look like a horror film. Yeah, they remind me of the, the, the film Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know, when, when the sky looked like oh, cotton that's candy. Right, that's right. Right, I mean, that's exactly what it looked like to me. And here in Detroit, you can, you can taste the... Um, the soot, the soot the, in the, the air. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I noticed that there was a little ash, a little mm -hmm. thin layer of ash, mm -hmm. you know, on the car. And so this is serious stuff, it you know, and it's, and it's important that we connect this to the crisis around climate change, mm -hmm. right? Climate change is not just 
showing up as wildfires mm -hmm. uh, in California or melting icebergs in Antarctica, but it's wildfires in Canada, yeah. you know, that are impacting folks uh, across this country. And those with respiratory issues, they're telling you to mask up yet again. All right, coming up, could your favorite WNBA star be chosen for the All-Star Games? Well, 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 you all, we're gonna let you know. We're gonna let you know. We're gonna let you know how, to, how it's gonna go and how you need to vote. <laughs> For your favorite folks this year, don't you go anywhere. Ooh, You're watching Fox Hole's Whack fine. Report. I'm struggling today, too. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs>
of team or conference. Hmm. The three options to vote for players to become all-stars are the on the WNBA website. You can check it out through the WNBA app and Instagram, and fans can submit one ballot per day, voting for between one to ten players. You can vote on your desktop, your mobile, or go to vote.wnba.com or the WNBA app. Voting is from now until June 21st, so get on it, soulmate. Yeah, I'm going to have to get with it because I'm going to have to familiarize myself with more of the WNBA players, especially the ones who aren't as popular as others. What I do love about this whole take is that women's sports, I think uh, basketball in particular, in particular, is leading the way. I mean, I, my, I was glued to the TV during that women's NCAA final, um, the WNBA uh, playoffs and, and championships. These ladies are running up and down that court and they are killing it. And uh, they come from all different walks of life, different backgrounds. When you get a chance to tap in maybe across their social media pages and you hear their stories and what it got, what they had to go through just to get on a college squad or just to make it to the WNBA. And back in my day, you know, how I always say I know, you, I know. I know. You, you always got to slide that in there. <laughs> but no, I, always has to I say that back because in my day. back in my day, I'm 52. No, back. No, really. There were, aside from maybe going overseas, there were no other options. And so you had these incredibly talented female athletes, basketballers, ballers, who really didn't have anywhere to go thereafter. Yeah. And even as the WNBA continues to flex and get stronger, you know, that pay for some still isn't there. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, the pay disparity stuff. is something right. else. So, I mean, there's still a long way to go, but at least there's a place for them to land nowadays. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm excited about. Well, you know, I'm excited that they are getting more attention, dare I say the attention that they deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, compared to the, the NBA, we still have a while to go. We still have a ways to go. That's right. I mean, I remember back in the days of Cheryl Swoops and Lisa Leslie, and now you have Brittany Griner and so many other, yep. you know, the next generation. Yep of WNBA superstars leading the way. And so, you know, I think things are trending mm -hmm. in the right direction, but we need to accelerate yeah. that change. Cause back in my day. <laughs> back when? In my day. Coming up, the music industry and the world continues to love on baby girl Aaliyah. We're still giving her her flowers all these years later. That's right, when we return, we'll tell you all about the newest documentary about her life and how she's being honored wow. later this year. You're watching Fox Old Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. And Soulmates, did you know that June is not just Pride Month? It's also Black Music Month, and guess what? We're here to celebrate it. Absolutely. So the contributions of black artists and musicians, it runs so deep mm -hmm. that we, we you know, listen, it, rock and roll, that's us. How deep? Like river deep, like mountain high? way deep. You catch it? Uh-huh. So this, <laughs> this Music Month, we welcome one of the best musicians uh, to, to, to do it and is still doing it, the one and only Adam Blackstone. A musical genius from that from that uh, black pool of, of musical genius. You are you are the man, and just to watch your rise has been amazing. 
Thank you so much, y'all. I'm honored to be here, uh, not only representing Black Music Month, but our culture as a whole. We have become pop music for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Well, Adam, you know, music is so important to our everyday lives. I was just rocking out to Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll, before we came out here. <laughs> Talk to us about your origin story and what led you to music. Yes, no problem. It's, you know, it, it feels like the... Uh, Typical black music musician, but growing up in church for sure. Mm. Uh, dad is a church organist. My mom sang in the choir. My aunties and uncles were so huge. And and I always like to say, man, um, playing in church prepared me for stages such as the Super Bowl, such as the Oscars, Grammy. Because what happens is you you're in what we all know and call the spirit, and it just moves you in a different way to be on the spot and be on. Um, so I grew up in church. I then moved to Philadelphia from New Jersey in 2000 and went to Performing Arts College, University of the Arts. And from there in the town, I was doing everything from weddings, bar mitzvahs, restaurants, jazz clubs. And I stumbled upon this open mic spot uh, called the Philly Five Spot. Uh, little did I know then that would change my life forever. It was run by the Roots crew. Mm. And they scooped me up as their little brother and from 2001 until now, I continue to be an honorary Roots. Just came off Roots Picnic, and mm. uh, guys have shown me the ropes. Quest Love continues to be my mentor, my my musical director. I know everybody likes to say I'm everybody's music director, but he's my musical director. And um, it's been a it's been a long-standing journey until then to create a a, a legacy of uh, excellence. Wow, there, there's a there's this whole. You continue to hear, you know, about everybody who, mm -hmm. who comes from under that tree uh, of the roots. I did not know you, you, you were one of those branches, but it makes sense now, Adam. It makes sense. The roots run yeah. deep. Yeah, indeed. Literally, yes, absolutely. They have been the catalyst for so many they other have. And, and musicians all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, they kept to what they do well and have done it and never wavered through the 90s. And now, you know, here we are two, three decades later on the highest level possible. I can only strive to be them, but they've given me uh, great aspirations to do, and I always try to push it forward. Yeah, you play a myriad of, of instruments. Uh, we, we now know, or I know, because I follow, and, and folks are picking up on or what you're putting down. Was it hard yeah. to choose, you know, which instrument you wanted to focus in on? Which one is your favorite, and, and why so? Such a funny story with that. I, you know, again, growing up in church, my dad was a... Uh, what we consider one man band, wedding band. So if he missed church, he'd be like, tomorrow you're playing organ. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow you're playing drums. And it's like, I had no choice, but going to school, I remember my uh, Caucasian band director saying, hey man, every little kid, and he wanted to say black kid, I'm sure, wants to play drums. Uh, we have a vacancy for bass guitar and knowing my family history and, and how we were in music around the town, I was like, man, I ain't playing no bass. I don't want to walk to school with that. That's back in the day. They don't remember when you used to walk to school. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so it was one of the best decisions I've ever made, though, for sure. So, so speaking of history, Adam, you know, your show uh, called That's My Jam really showcases all types of music. How important has yeah. music been to the black experience, both past and present? I know Juneteenth is right around the mm -hmm. corner and we celebrate black history 365 right? here at Fox Hills Black Report. And so tell us. Yes, I mean, you know, 
it is undeniable that music in general um, has a, a long-standing history to be emotional. It can make you cry. It can make you laugh. It can make you happy. It can make you sad. And so even going through this pandemic, guys, I was lucky enough to be in one of the, you know, foremost entertainment um, sections that mm-hmm. people wanted to go to sporting events and they wanted to listen to music or go to concerts. And so uh, I, I pride myself on bringing that experience to the viewer, not just on That's My Jam, but even live as well. You know what I mean? Whether that be Super Bowl or whatever, it's like we want to go on that ride. We want to go on that emotional journey to where we were in our minds and our hearts and our bodies when we heard our favorite songs. That's my goal at all times is to have that nostalgia feeling run through by playing your favorite songs on the grandest stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, music has the power to heal. I truly believe it has the power to get us through tough times. And um, I'm so excited that black music in general has come to the forefront of that whether it's blues, R&B, hip-hop, rap, country, gospel, whatever it is, we are culture, we are pop music, and it continues to permeate the world. Yeah, you know what I love about you is you never, you know, forget your roots, pun intended, because, you know, you work with some amazing artists who are already, you know, major and worldwide. But you also take time because I watch your sets on social media. You take time uh, to to spend with that artist who's kind of up and coming, like the the young uh, uh, Gabby girl. And that's what I love about where you are right now. Recently, you did, you know, the Super Bowl with Rihanna, a whole bunch of other myriad of performances. What are those big huge experiences like are they like are you kidding me moments like i have really you know made it to this and have curated such great performances such as the one we're looking at now rihanna at the super bowl um i'm gonna say yes to all of it there have been times where um i get nervous still Mm. but that means you know what i'm saying and when i don't get nervous that means it's not important to me so i get nervous pretty often because I'm trying to bring the experience to the viewer about how much rehearsal we've put in, how much time we put in to make it perfect. And it's not for me. It's for the artist. As a great musical director, my job is to support the artist's vision. So whether that's Rihanna, Dr. Dre, Jill Scott, whoever it may be, it's like they all have their own individual vision. It's my job to support that and then make it a great experience for the listener and for the viewer. Uh, it's, it never gets old to me. I'm mm-hmm. so blessed to have the gift of music in my life as my job. And um, I know that it's a gift from God for sure. And I will continue to, you know, hold on to it and, and do my best to represent it. Mm-hmm. Nice. And speaking of Dr. Dre, you know, Dr. Dre's performance last year, that was fire. What can we expect to see from you, Adam Blackstone? What can we expect to see from you in the near future? Yes, I... I have been on tour. Uh oh. We still got you. Are you there? I'm oh, sorry, about that. Oh, that's okay. I, we still got you. I, I tour. My new album came out September. Legacy. It is now Grammy nominated. Yes. We Last month, we won the NAACP Image Award. And so I've been on tour representing the Legacy experience. Um, I'm opening for Jill Scott. It's a full circle moment for me. Uh, and so. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that. We have Juneteenth coming up live on CNN. I'll be at the Hollywood Bowl that week as well, representing Legacy, the BET Awards, uh, Blue Note Jazz. There's so much going up for Black, not just Black Music Month, but for the whole entire year. 
That's amazing. And to be in that upper enchilade of music directors, um, that is a that is a very exclusive club, and you are smashing it. Let me tell you, you really are oh Patrice Russian. You got Chucky Booker. I'm into it, so I can go on and on and on. Before we let you go, uh, talk about uh, the arts. Uh, you, be, you know, being in jeopardy, uh, especially when we talk about schools and community uh, programs. Talk about uh, some of the projects uh, and ways that uh, Soulmates, as our viewers here, uh, can help support, uh, especially during this uh, June uh, being Black Music Month. Absolutely, it, it's definitely a a, a, a and another epidemic where it's like you know they're taking arts out of schools. We have to be mindful when people try to do that because arts have helped save the save a bunch of us musicians, rappers, singers, whatever it may be that gives us an outlet to be emotional, to express ourselves. So there's things you can do with Save the Music from the Recording Academy. There's things you can do at your local level to donate instruments to schools. And also don't don't forget that the um, local YMCA's, local churches, all of that music and arts play an important role in how we grow up and how we preserve our culture and uh, just continue to support in every way possible. It takes money. It takes time. It takes effort. All of the above. It takes role models and it takes people um, and, and like like us, black people, to show a generation under us that it is possible. So I'm always going to try to continue to do that as well, to give back. Well said. Our thanks to musical genius Adam Blackstone. I'm going to try and catch you at the Hollywood Bowl, if not oh. someplace. One of those places. Let me know what you need. I got you. June 22nd, I'm Hollywood Bowl with Jill Scott. Can't wait. We coming. We coming, All right. brother. Appreciate you, Thank brother. Thank you so much. Be well. Peace. Yep. Well, a power trailer has been released for an upcoming documentary that's honoring one of the most beloved artists in R&B. We are talking about none other than baby girl Aaliyah. Now this documentary is slated to air on ABC and it's already being hailed as a true, true inside look at her personal life and career. That's right. The documentary is scheduled to air on June 14th and comes months ahead of her induction into the R&B Hall of Fame. Yeah, you know, we like to claim her as our own. She, we got to share her with Brooklyn, but, uh, you know, I've, I've got uh, friends who, you know, grew up with uh, Aaliyah. Um, I'm just, I remember her just being a little kid, singing around talent shows. Um, and, uh, you know, you just sit back and you wonder what, what could have been. Yeah. However, she, she left such a a young legacy, but a legacy to whereas when you still see the videos and you listen to the music, you can kind of sense what would have been. You know, she I, I think she would have been mega, mega, you know, definitely a, a star uh, in the theater on film uh, and continued um, growing as a musician. But what, really a be do. what a beautiful living tribute. I mean, yeah. you know, this ABC documentary, I know a lot of people are going to be watching this mm -hmm. and, you know, being inducted into the R&B Hall of Fame. I mean, that's huge. That's where, that's where we, we celebrate the greats. And so that's exactly where she belongs. Yep. So that legacy definitely continues to uh, live on. Yeah. Well, up next, y'all already know what's coming up. Is Black Excellence. Yep. Did you expect anything I'm less? Right. And we'll tell you about the historic movement happening at Mizzou. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report.
The University of Missouri hires Kerry Jackson, making him the first black baseball coach in SEC history. Here, here. Jackson agreed to a five-year contract for $675,000 with an annual $25,000 raise. So he'll get up to about $775,000 by 2028. That's not too bad. He has made a profession out of baseball since junior college. He's worked uh, around uh, small universities and, and colleges as an assistant coach. He also worked for the Washington Nationals as an MLB scout. That's right. Jackson's motivation for the opportunity went beyond a larger salary, declaring he's prepared to assist in restoring the program to national prominence. Yeah, they have a couple of national titles, and um, he wants to – he had worked there before. He's coming back in this head coach uh, capacity. I think it's a good look because um, the MLB has a long way to go. Mm. There's a lot of men of color, but not a lot of black, not a lot of African Americans on these teams. And so – They've got a long way to go as far as their outreach is concerned. I know there have been some efforts and maybe as a culture, as a community, you know, we've got to circle back around to understand how lucrative uh, baseball can be. You know, we talk about, you know, basketball money, but that baseball money is big and long too. That bag is big and it's, and it's a long bag because, you know, you, you it's not as stressful uh, to your body um, as as maybe um, football being that contact sport mm -hmm. and maybe even basketball running them down that court and the knees and, and all that other stuff. So, you know, to tell the, the young kids, hey, try this out and stick with it. You know, I don't know if a lot of the police leagues around the country, if they're still kind of pushing uh, baseball. I know we sort of kind of celebrate basketball and football, but, you know, baseball needs some love, too. And let me tell you, it's yeah. it's it's. You know, if you're talented at it, and a lot of athletes are. You've got Russell uh, Wilson, who was being uh, recruited by uh, a baseball team, decided to do uh, football. You've got Michael Jordan, who loved mm -hmm. baseball. You've got Deion Sanders. So it's the love is there. I'm just not sure how much we are uh, expressing that to the young folks. Well, you know, maybe if we had more black folks in leadership roles, we could further explore that. I mean, there are still not enough black coaches in the MLB. Uh, or front and, office. Right, and there aren't front office people, and so then therefore there certainly aren't folks in ownership mm -hmm. um, either. And it just makes me think back to the conversation we had yesterday with Kyle Bowser, the SVP of oh, the yeah. Hollywood Bureau of the NAACP, where, you know, they're trying to, you know, bring some attention to a different model of ownership, right? Uh, more akin to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, well, if there was an MLB team that became available, mm -hmm. you know, might that be a model that may help to produce the kind of diversity that we want to see? Yeah. Front of office, in ownership, and on the field. And let me tell you, if that, if that model does push through and happen and and I get to own a little piece of BET, I, my show is going to be back in my day, and your show is going to be, we're not all we're not black people. We're not, not a monolith. <laughs> so we got two shows, BET. Right. Two for one. Two for one That's already. Right. That's we we already matching. I know. You did a good job today, because you changed to match what I had I on. did. Isn't that kind, soulmate? But here's the thing. It, so sometimes I will change to match what she's wearing. She doesn't call me in the morning and say, I'm going to wear this. 
you know, I just take no, a look no, I, at what she's wearing and I'll try and make sure I find but here's a, the a thing. pocket square that matches. This was a, uh, what do you call that when you, when you make a call? Because it got chilly again in Detroit. It's a little, it was a little chilly this morning, like uh -huh, 60. Uh -huh. So I was like, burr, I don't want to look like fall time again. You were like, what? Burr, I don't want to look like fall time again, <laughs> but I need to put on something a little heavy. And then the studio is always chilly. So this is this is the fix that I came up with. And I was like, oh, OK, you found your and, turtleneck. And so I see you're chilly and I match you with a little mock, <laughs> a little mock turtleneck action. For the full rundown on today's stories and more, you can access Fox Hills video on demand on any of our partners. You can access uh, shows and other black centered content. Don't forget to download the Fox Hill app. It is absolutely free. How much it costs? It's free. Nothing. Free, like free, free. Like Absolutely give us free. free. Give us free. I'm, I'm Courtney Hicks. <laughs> and I'm Nicole Delight Corte. On behalf of the entire team here at Fox Souls Black Report, because you know it takes a village to produce Fox Souls Black Report. On behalf of everybody, stay lifted. <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs> so silly. We'll free you of this anchor to chair. <laughs> Real soon. <laughs>